listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Welcome back to the Beltway Beef podcast. This is Ashley, and today I'm joined by Tanner Beamer, and Tanner's the Director of Government Affairs and Market Regulatory Policy here at NCBA in the D.C. office. Tanner, we're excited to have you back on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So we know that NCBA's main policy priority is to create a business climate that creates opportunities to increase producer profitability. It's something that everybody here is working towards in their different portfolios. And I think your portfolio especially helps to contribute to this. So can you just give an overview of what you work on every day and and what you cover? I know it's a lot. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I think you raised a really good point in that producer profitability, you know, I might be the the cattle markets guru here in the office, but it really does touch on everybody's policy uh, issue areas, right? So Allison working transportation and animal health, Caitlin and her team working on climate issues, and then certainly in trade and tax and credit and things of that nature. So a lot going on, but specifically as it relates to uh, the cattle market space, you know, there's been a lot going on in that end of the universe for quite some time. Um, But if we had to look at the context of cattle markets through a, a big lens, I would say that we are working on three main fronts. First of that is, of course, price discovery and market transparency. Um, that is uh, largely a result of the conversations that were had and the policy that was adopted by the Live Cattle Marketing Committee and then later by the Board of Directors at our summer business meeting in Denver last year. Another issue that we're working on as part of this overall approach on cattle markets is processing capacity, right? And returning some of that leverage back to cattle producers and these fed cattle negotiations. One of the ways to do that is to increase hook space, especially at a time when we have high cattle supplies. But on the demand side of that as well, we're seeing very, very strong beef demand. Uh, and we need to be able to increase those throughputs at the packing level. And then the last thing in that is is market oversight, right? Making sure that we have uh, an adequate uh, adequate oversight of uh, market participants to make sure that there's uh, everybody's playing by the same rules. There is a level playing field uh, in which everyone can operate. And so uh, part of what we've been focused on on that has been uh, related to this Justice Department investigation, but there's other elements that kind of tie into that piece of this overall puzzle as well. And, you know, you mentioned earlier there's a lot going on in this space, and I feel like we've seen press release upon press release over things that are happening here. But let's just start with first things first, USDA's announcement last week about packers and stockyards. Can you walk us through what that is, uh, why it's important to the industry, and what NCBA's role in that conversation is? Yeah, so Section 202 of the Packers and Stockyards Act uh, is the enforcement section, and it prohibits undue or unreasonable preferences and advantages in some of these livestock negotiations. And it's not just limited to cattle. There's, there's swine components, there's poultry components as well. Um, in the 2008 Farm Bill, Congress uh, included a provision in that legislation which required the Secretary of Agriculture to issue new rules about uh, how they are going to evaluate undue and unreasonable preferences because it's very subjective right now and so the congress in that farm bill in 08 said you need to establish some criteria by which you are going to evaluate these claims of undue and unreasonable uh, preferences or advantages so in an attempt to do that in 2010 the obama administration promulgated a rule 
that is come to be known as the GIPSA rule, right, which is a reference to the Grain Inspection Packers and Stockyards Administration, which was a former agency at USDA. It was, uh, as part of USDA's reorganization, it was uh, pieced together with the Agricultural Marketing Service, so that's the umbrella that it resides under right now, and the Packers and Stockyards Division is underneath AMS. Uh, that <coughs> GIPSA rule, the way that it was written in 2010 was very, very broad, and it didn't really define the scope uh, the way that we in, that we needed to see in order to make sure that there was a, an injury to competition or there was some sort of uh, activity that was harmful to the competitive nature of the livestock trade. Um, and NCBA worked very carefully with uh, others in the barnyard and our state affiliates to push back on that rule. Uh, that rule never ended up finalizing, but now the Trump administration uh, in 2020 published a final rule that did something very similar and that was also not necessarily a rule that we were uh, super thrilled with. We thought that it was additionally vague uh, and it didn't set out very clear parameters for what we were looking for in those types of evaluations when there are complaints alleged in, in some of these negotiations. So um, when the Biden administration took over at the beginning of this year, that was one of the rules that they paused as kind of a whole of government, you know, Everybody take a deep breath. Let's look at all of these regulations that were promulgated and see what we're going to do. So as part of that, in the spring regulatory agenda, this administration uh, announced that they were going to revisit the Trump rule on, uh, on GIPSA. And so not a lot of details on what that looks like. We know that they intend to include language which states that uh, there, needs, there need not be demonstration of injury or likelihood of injury to competition to proceed. Uh, and that's, that's very problematic for a number of reasons, uh, but we don't have specifics on that just yet. Uh, we're waiting to kind of see what USDA's overall approach is. But really, what we're trying to do here is make sure that this is a rule that is going to work for everybody and make sure that we can uh, continue to utilize value-added programs in, our, in the marketing of our cattle. Right, and like you said, no news to share on that yet, other than the fact that we're engaged in those conversations and, and have been engaged in those conversations for, for quite some time. Um, but certainly we'll, we'll share any news that comes out with our members and, and our affiliates as we have news to share. Uh, but, but speaking of other news that we do have a lot to talk about, the letters that have gone to um, the Department of Justice and then letters we've sent to the Hill all around this investigation into meat packers. Can you just unpack that for us? Excuse the pun there. <laughs> um, unpack that for us and then talk about NCBA's role in that as well. Yeah, so I mean, going back to last year, you know, in the aftermath of the supply shocks of COVID-19, you know, you, you get into like April and May and the plants are starting to temporarily close down and that just wreaks havoc on our markets. NCBA was one of the first organizations in Washington to request that the Justice Department investigate the Packers just to make sure that all of the behavior during that very volatile period was above board. And again, everybody's playing by the same rules. Um, since we have requested that, the Justice Department announced that they were going to launch uh, a, a, an investigation into the meat packers to evaluate their, their transactions in the aftermath of those two major black swan events, if you want to throw in the Tyson fire in with that as well. Um, however, since then, uh, we have had no updates 
we are not sure where they're at in the process. And, uh, you know, it is department policy not to comment on ongoing investigation for obvious reasons, but we need to have some sort of a sign of life, right? We don't have any indication that this is something that they're still working on, and this is information that we need to have. We requested this, in, we, we requested this investigation for an, a reason, and now we need to have some idea, right? It's important that they be allowed to do a thorough investigation, right? It's more important to do a good job than to do a quick job, especially in this case. But some sign of life would be very appreciated uh, from, from the Justice Department. So that's why you've seen a lot of movement on Capitol Hill. Uh, there have been, boy, I, I think I've lost count, but somewhere in the ballpark of five different letters that were signed by over 100 members of Congress uh, that have been asking Attorney General Garland to provide an update on where they're at in the process and to quickly conclude that investigation and publicly report their findings. Uh, and NCBA led the charge on several of those efforts uh, with our, our friends on Capitol Hill, Senator Thune and Congressman Dusty Johnson from South Dakota, along with Congressman Darren Soto from Florida and then Representative Guest out of Mississippi. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit for the work that they put in uh, to get those letters sent over to the Justice Department in such a bipartisan and bicameral way. So we talked about uh, the things that are going on on the Hill, and there is clearly a lot of members of Congress very interested in what's happening in cattle markets. We've seen that through bills, we've seen that through conversations that NCBA has had with people on the Hill, but most recently we're seeing that with a cattle market hearing. So not a lot of news publicly about that yet. It's, it's been announced, but can you share with us you know, what that is shaping up to look like? Yeah, so there's a lot going on on the Hill, like you alluded to, right? You have uh, the Optimizing the Cattle Markets Act over in the House of Representatives, Senator Fisher's Cattle Market Transparency Act, Senator Fisher's 5014. At some point before September 30th this year, Congress has to reauthorize or extend the temporary extension of livestock mandatory reporting. And so the culmination of all of these conversations and then including these efforts where we've seen letters go to the Justice Department from Capitol Hill asking for updates, you know, it, it, there's a lot going on and a lot of interest from a lot of diverse lawmakers from across the country. And so uh, in response to that sort of, Chairman Stabenow in the Senate Ag Committee uh, announced to you that they were going to be hosting a hearing next Wednesday, the 23rd at 2.30 p.m. to discuss uh, cattle market issues. Um, we've been hearing uh, a little bit about uh, who might be uh, testifying in that, but no final details or word from the committee just yet on who that's going to be. But I think that really underscores how seriously Congress is looking at this, right? And there's unanimity of thought between a lot of these lawmakers and the entirety of the industry, right, on things like the contract library, on things like um, taking another look at USDA's rules of confidentiality, all of these components that would contribute to having more market transparency and more information into the hands of producers to ultimately help them gain back some of that leverage in these negotiations for fed cattle and then even further up the supply chain with feeders and calves and what have you. So the hearing being next Wednesday, we'll look for more news on that and, and more announcements about what comes out of that hearing. Absolutely. And so talking about what I feel like what NCBA does best, you know, at our core, at our roots, representing the cattle producers and making sure that, like we said earlier, they have the business climate that's allowing them to thrive and that's allowing them to sell their high quality beef and, and capture high value for that beef. So what is NCBA doing? What are we working on right now that's you know doing that, increasing hook space, allowing 
uh, producers to capture that value? Yeah, so and it's a great question, right? I think at the onset, it's really important to remember that uh, there are a lot of issues going on in the industry right now, and specifically as it relates to the marketing of cattle. And there is just no such thing as a one-size-fits-all strategy that is going to, you know, if enacted or if brought to fruition, is going to solve all of these issues at one time with one thing. So that's why I said, you know, kind of at the beginning of our conversation, it's a full featured approach with multifaceted layers uh, that include those kind of three stools of price discovery and market transparency, processing capacity and leverage, and then market oversight. Um, and then within the, the leverage conversation, you know, a lot of that, again, can come back to the fact that there is a hook space shortage. We need to have more processing capacity in the system. Now, that is a mid to long term solution that we really need to look at because like we talked about high cattle supplies, we talked about really strong beef demand, both domestically and in our export markets. There is no indication that I have seen that would suggest that that's gonna go away anytime soon um, on the demand side. Now on the supply side, you're gonna continue to have a little bit of liquidation, I think, just based upon the drought conditions in the West. Um, <clears throat> but, but demand is gonna stay pretty strong. That means that we have got to have more throughput at the packing level if we are going to return some of that leverage to cattle producers. But again, mid to long term, because it takes a while for those packing facilities to be constructed for them to attract the labor force that they need and get them trained to where they are actually processing cattle at scale. And so one of the things that we can do in the short term is make sure that we are operating the existing planting, plant infrastructure at 100% capacity. Uh, the, the, the labor force is the chief, chief barrier to achieving that right now for a host of reasons. Um, and that's kind of what we've been focused on here in the, in the short term is getting the existing infrastructure back up to 100% throughput. Well, Tanner, we certainly covered a lot today and, you know, you are always on the phone, always having conversations with folks in the country, with folks on the hill uh, to make sure that cattle producers are represented and represented well here in Washington, D.C. So really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and walk us through all that. You bet. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify at Beltway Beef, also on Twitter at Beltway Beef. We'll see you next time.